welcome to Blockbuster, boys. No. <laughs> Wrong. Is it not is it not Blockbuster Boys? It's Blockbuster Buffs. Episode two. Here we go. Tell tell us in the comments what you guys like better. <laughs> this episode. Whoa, 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 whoa. Joe. What? Slow down. Okay. Slow down. S- slow your roll. What season are we in? We are in the Fast and Furious family. That's right. This season. is where we talk about Fast and Furious family side projects, other projects starring these beloved characters like Dom and Letty and me and Roman and Han, Giselle and Hobbs and Shaw and Brian. If you've made it to the barbecue, you're in the family. That's right. And there will also be some villains mm-hmm. in there mixed in. We're more like lucky additions. Lucky we're additions. Not, we're not dedicating Can't. episodes on them. So just as a quick little run, reminder rundown, uh, we're going to be watching, we watched Fast 1 last week, uh, or last episode, and then we're going to be doing Pitch Black today, Dungeons and Dragons, The Faculty, Four Brothers, oh, sorry, Fast 5, Four Brothers, Bullet to the Head, Heart of Stone, um, Baywatch, Fast 8, Italian Jam, Into the Blue, and Fast X. So if you want to get ready for the show, that's what you got to watch. We're just listening along. We're just listening along. We'll we'll recap and summarize all the episodes. So this episode is dedicated to Dom Toretto, aka Vin Diesel, aka Pitch Black, aka <laughs> well, that's yeah. his name, right? In the show we're watching, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, no, <laughs> his name is Riddick, Richard Riddick. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I believe. Yeah. I've heard chronicles of of Riddick <laughs> in the past. I've heard that he had some chronicles. So, Pitch Black. Right. It's the first, it's the origin story of Riddick. And here's how it goes. It starts off in a spaceship. Who knows what year? Far into the future. We have Riddick in a cryo sleep tube and he is basically giving us the exposition the breakdown through his animal sense his primal sense he is the outlaw who is being transported to a prison planet and while in cryo sleep on this ship he gives us a animal instinct of what he can t- detect from the other people on board. But Joe, um, why is he able to detect anything? He's in cryo-sleep. Because he thinks with his primal sense as his main consciousness, not as most people do, use with letting their primal sense fall to the background. So they're on this spaceship, traveling. Everyone else is in cryosleep, including the the pilots. They're just on autopilot, going through space. But they fall. They come into a asteroid field, and while in this asteroid field, some meteors bust through the spaceship and destroy the uh, the the oxygen levels, the lock, whatever. They they break all that, and uh, the the two pilots start falling out of cryosleep. So. The spaceship starts going down. The pilots start trying to uh, save the ship. Uh, they start falling into a uh, alien planet, totally off course. And as they're falling through through space, the lady pilot, what's her name, Matt? Fry, I want to say. I'll, I'll get, yeah, it's Carolyn Fry. Sorry. Yeah, Carolyn, thank you. So Carolyn starts trying to save the ship. The, her co-pilot is down there kind of trying to uh, uh, give her some frantic help, but she uh, she's trying to save the ship. They're going down. Ship's blowing up, uh, burning up, going through the atmosphere of this planet, and she starts dropping 
different holds. There's probably like four or five separate holds in this ship, and each one are different passengers. Uh, some are prisoners, some are just regular people, and she starts dropping them off uh, because they have to lose some load to uh, survive. So they're falling through. They crash land on this alien planet, and by the time they get there, they've lost all but the last hold and the main part of the ship. This is a big this is a big moment. Um, I wanted to mention that I thought was kind of interesting. It's like the start of Carolyn Fry's character, which is that she intends to drop all the passengers and kill them all. True. And they are saved by the co-pilot Greg Owens, or he's uh, played by Simon Berg. And he opens the airlock so she can't drop it. Um, It ends up that most of them die anyway. But it's a character thing for her where she's willing to sacrifice a bunch of people to save herself. Um, That's all I wanted to add. Yeah. So in so doing, he saves Riddick as well as Riddick's uh, captor. Johns. Johns. Now... They crash land. Riddick tries to escape, but he and Johns get in a little fight. Johns holds him down, uh, beats his ass, and gets him in gets him in cuffs. Now Riddick's primal sense is still kind of giving the the narrative direction, talking about what's going on. Carolyn, the other co-pilot, and the few other survivors are trying to walk around this planet, figure out what's going on, where they are what sort of planet this is and it is a desert expanse there is no water no people and seemingly no other living creatures yeah john's is best known by me from the movie paparazzi but probably best known by most people from the show yellowstone yeah plays rip wheeler (laughs) oh he's rip all right yeah when i saw him i was like oh shit it's rip (laughs) and guaranteed he He's one of those actors that like has just slipped through the slipstream of being like in this, in that, in this, in that, but never like rising to total celebrity status. So you're like you'll rewatch old stuff and mm-hmm. like just stuff through through the through the years and realize he's in it and never have realized until you recognize him as Rip. Yeah. So when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, this is Rip back in the day." One thing to note about Cole Hauser is that he looks medium in this movie, and same with like paparazzi. And in like now, he gained a little weight and grew a beard, and like kind of filled out muscular wise. Oh yeah. And he looks really good. Like he <laughs> like that to be too shallow, but he like is a very. He's like very good looking, but I've seen him in, you know, paparazzi in this movie about the same time and I think he just looks kinda like weird. Yeah. Like he he's actually he's in horse two... face and stuff. Like he's got like the long skinny face. He's, he's got like he's like a redhead too. Yeah, it's he's, just he's he's kind of a he's a pretty standard looking white dude, but Yeah. He's really blossomed though in yeah. his you know, in his forties and fifties. For sure. I didn't realize how old he was. I don't know how old he's he is. He's kinda old. How old is he now? Like, he's definitely, like, late 40s, for sure. Yeah. Because he's in Too Fast, Too Furious as well. Yes, he is. And he looks weird in that, too. Yep. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry. Sorry to get off track. They're on this desert planet. They're looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. Riddick's kind of being, like, uh, you don't know what to feel about him. He's being kind of shady. He might be a bad guy. He might be a good guy. He might be just a guy. So as the others are are walking around, they discover this uh, hole in the ground. And at one point, Riddick kind of escapes his uh, uh, binds, whatever, the chains. This is very important to me. He pops both of his shoulders out of his socket and raises them above (laughs) above his head to go through a slit in the pole he's, like, tied to. So that way his chains go through it when it's like, dude, you could just like kind of shimmy up that. Like, you're fit enough. You can climb. You <laughs> nope. can climb like this. He just popping out of nope, socket. Both of them out. Yeah. Because he's primal. So he escapes and he's kind of 
he's still hanging still hanging out like he he's not taken off by any means and one of the other survivors is is looking around uh, and he finds this hole in the ground and he goes in he starts looking in this hole all of a sudden he starts getting pulled in chewed up blood's going everywhere you don't know what's going on what the what the creature might be pulling him in he gets dragged in he's gone he's he don't know what happened to him but it can't be anything good uh and, and they, they blame riddick they, they blame riddick riddick starts to try and run away but at this point john's uh beats him up again and rebinds him and they, st- they everyone else blames him for the death of this guy but then riddick in his uh stoic way basically tells them that it wasn't him mm-hmm. and so can i interrupt yeah all right so cinematically this movie is making some interesting choices and they like the first the color is weird well do you know why the color is the way it is um i don't for sure okay the i love that you brought this up (laughs) so on this desert planet they have three different suns okay and each sun is a is emanating a different color Okay. So the filter of the 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 film, mm-hmm. each filter changes from blue to orange based off of which sun is currently shining. So you'll you're watching the the movie through the filter of these different colors based on which sun is out at the time. So that's yeah. one of the the main cinematic pieces is just kind of the strange coloration of everything at different times uh and mm-hmm. as they come to find out there is no nighttime that's important plot wise but i want to bring one more cinema thing in and that is riddick runs around like he's not trying to escape because there's nowhere to escape to as far as you can tell as far i assume that's his reasoning but he's just kind of like running around free, and the movie is playing it like it, it. It's playing it like a farce. So like he'll be, you know, there will be two people having a conversation. He'll be like, just like right behind one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and he's like, maybe I'll stab this girl in the sweet spot, or maybe I won't. And then there's there's one part where there's like this noises in the front of the ship. And this like guy walks up and Zeke like shoots the guy and it's one of the passengers who who like basically survived the crash that they hadn't met yet. And so Zeke shoots him. It's Zeke's the guy who gets goes down in the hole in a minute too. But then the like camera pan like zooms in <laughs> and Riddick is in a like in a beach chair on top of one of the parts of the ship, drinking liquor that the nerdy guy who showed up the like nerdy rich art collector like brought with them yeah and he's just like he's you know feet kicked up chilling and it was like really it was funny like and vin like plays it funny oh and yeah. it's so so i don't mean to interrupt too much but like that was super that was when i realized like this is his movie this is <laughs> vin is. diesel's movie and he is like loving it and so on top of that is like that plays to the point that Riddick it basically builds the persona of Riddick. So what's going on is like he could be anywhere at any time. He is a sleuthful, uh, like just rogue sort of sneaky guy, and you never know where he is at any moment, and he could be right behind you at any at any time. And another important uh, factor is that. Riddick was in prison for a long time, and he was in the dark. He was in this uh, totally black cell, and he was in the dark for so long that he had somebody surgically implant basically night vision in his eyes so he's able to see in the dark. Shine job, as he calls it. Yeah, shine job. And so he has this glistening eye effect, which total totally badass. It really is. And uh, he... he it's very important to later on. So yeah, and his character—he has to wear sunglasses all the time. Right, he can't—he's blinded like by the, blinded by the light. Got to wear those solar eclipse glasses or whatever they are. <laughs> so, uh, from here, 
basically they start looking around the planet. They find this sort of observatory area with there's some, some buildings. They seem to be pretty old. They start looking through them and everything. And Carolyn comes to find... Uh... Oh, wait. Hold on. Got to go back a sec. Before they find this observatory, Carolyn actually tries to go in the hole where the other guy died, where he was dragged in. So they they tie a rope around her, and she she crawls through this hole. Uh, she this was after the observatory. Was it after the observatory? Okay, yeah. So they perfect. found it, and then okay. um, they go back. They're go, uh, there's some people at the ship. There's some people who found the observatory, but yeah. So Zeke disappears, and then. Carolyn goes in. Sorry, just a point of order. Hold on. But the observatory is important, so I'll actually go to that yeah. first. So at the observatory, other than finding a bunch of bones and uh, just old stuff all over the place, Carolyn finds a little uh, planetary, uh, a rotating planet uh figurine kind of sort of thing you'd make in like third grade science class of the rotating planets Mm -hmm. but this one is this specific solar system where there's this planet and another planet and the other suns and as they rotate they rotate and rotate just doing a normal thing but at a certain point they line up to where the planet they're on is in a total eclipse Mm-hmm. by the other planet from the three suns. So hang on to that. Yeah, it's called an orrery. Orrery. Yeah, is, or we always called it a model of the solar system, but yeah. it's their solar system. But that whole mechanical thing is called an orrery. O-R-R-E-R-Y. Orrery. All right, so she finds this orrery. At a certain time, this planet will go into full eclipse. Now... From there, she goes back to this hole. She starts crawling in, trying to find the dead man's body. They've got her roped up. She crawls through. She comes into what seems to be a hive system. It opens up, and there's holes and tunnels all over the place. And she doesn't really know what to do. She doesn't know what's going on down here, what could have made these uh, tunnels. She turns around a corner. She sees a foot. She looks a little further around, and the f- rest of the body is totally gone. Oh. The foot is just sitting there by itself. Oh, that's gross looking. Bloody, bloody ankle cap totally chewed off, and she knows something's up. And in the background, you see these creatures crawling around the wall. She's flipping around, got her flashlight shining on the wall. She can't see anything. And instead of deciding to go back up the way she came... Like a normal person would. She decides to go straight up to the sun because she's scared. So she starts going through this weird sort of open tunnel stalagmite thing, trying to crawl up to the top. But she's still tied to the rope. So as she's crawling up, trying to climb out, the animals start to pull her back down. So she's freaking out. She's uh, floundering, trying to find a way out. She's screaming. Uh, The other guys finally hear her. They run over. They break through this stalagmite thing, pull her out, and cut the rope, cut her free. But now they know there's monsters on this planet that live in the hives. All right, so from there, they know there's monsters on the planet. They got to figure out their next move. They go back to the observatory. They're kind of walking around. There's this, like, uh, Muslim dude who uh, is taking care of some kids. He's kind of got three or four kids that are all sort of... uh, Are they his kids or do we not know? Not totally clear whether they're like actually his kids or just like adopted kids, but they're all Muslims and they're they're all kind of like see him as their father figure. So they're they're following him around doing what he says and uh, following his direction. But he's a a wise, wise man trying to figure stuff out and help the crew. Uh, They've pretty much found a functional, old but functional spaceship that can get them off the planet but they have to get it up and running and in the meantime yeah, i think it just needs fuel cells it needs fuel cells right and they have fuel cells back at their crashed ship so 
from there, uh, what kind of happens at, at the next step? So uh, this is the point. So they they figured out that the they figured out that there's monsters. Riddick is cleared from his murder because she finds the foot. It's clear. All right, these these things ate him. You know, some people aren't totally convinced, um, but basically they're convinced. They they go back to the observatory. One of the Muslim boys gets eaten by a bunch of weird bat things. Oh yeah. And then they find the ship. They're like, we got to get some fuel cells for the ship. And so they're they take like a Humvee that's solar powered back to their main ship, and they see a a, a ringed planet come over the horizon, and it's about to eclipse the sun, and that's where Carolyn remembers, as well as the kind of older Muslim man, uh, who's played by Keith David. Um, Love that guy. Yeah, he's in some good stuff, actually. Um, yeah, he's in The Thing, True he's in, Lies. He's in a lot. Yeah, he, he plays the president in Rick and Morty, one of those. One nice. Of those. Yeah. That checks um, out. But yeah, so he, he kind of has a you know, deep voice, and he remembers he also saw the planet model, the Orrery, and they are aware now, like, hey, these things don't go in the sun, and the sun's about to go down. As well as, at this point, they have somewhat decided to trust Riddick enough to let him uh, out of his chains and kind of operate mm. as a, a helper to them uh, to try and help them get these fuel cells. Oh, yeah. And John's promises him freedom, but he's lying. For sure lying. And Riddick kind of knows it. And the whole this whole time that's going on, you don't really know whether to trust Riddick at all. Yeah, you don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy, other than he's the title character. So you, it, yeah. Still unclear, but you're very captivated. He's a he's a complex character and you're like intrigued by who he is and what he's capable of. So they get back to the spaceship to get the fuel cells at the same time as the solar eclipse begins. The solar eclipse starts happening. They're getting the fuel cells out. The liquor guy goes off to the other broken off part of the ship to try and get some of his liquor because he's oh, freaking yeah. alcoholic. They've been drinking liquor all day. They don't yeah. have water. They just have hard liquor. <laughs> <laughs> so they've just been drinking liquor all day as their only water source after being in cryosleep. And none of them are showing any signs of drunkenness. Or even being that dehydrated, you know? They'd be so dehydrated. Yeah, you could you would be hydrated by beer a little bit, but you wouldn't be hydrated by liquor. Yeah, like it would. <laughs> it's it's it better to not drink than to drink liquor in one of these situations. Idiots. <sighs> so they get the fuel cells out, mm -hmm. but the eclipse totally commences before they can get back onto the Humvee, and the Humvee is solar powered. So it stops working. Yeah, no battery. Now, the creatures start coming out of their caves and out of the holes. And by the millions in the dark, Riddick can see them flying and running around. Now they have to decide, do they hole up and wait for the eclipse to end? Or do they take the fuel cells and just try and make it through the dark back to the spaceship? Some of them... The cowards want to stay, but then Riddick convinces them that this eclipse. Well, first there's attacks. Do you want to get into that? Go for it. All right. So the the trick, the reason why they're they're concerned is so right away when these things come out, it's all the bat flying things that come out, and they kill and attack. They attack and kill uh, Sharon or Shaza, um, because she like runs and Riddick just plays it cool he lays down waits for him to pass and then he makes his way back to their main ship um and then one of the muslim boys gets killed by some creature one of, um there's basically like two types of creatures there's yeah. the bat fly ones and then like the bigger like four-legged running mm -hmm. ones with huge like armored faces yeah so they they hold up from them and then just are like kind of trapped in a room and some of them want to stay behind 
and some and Riddick's like, whatever Joe says, Riddick's like. <laughs> so from there, they decide to, as they're rapidly losing people, they decide to make a run for it. Put as many wrap as many lights around them as they can, fluorescent lights as well as light some torches out from the liquor bottles, and make their way back to the spaceship. And as they're going through the dark expanse, the Johns and Riddick get a little separated from the pack. And as they get a little further and further away, they get into an all-out fight, and Riddick stabs Johns, slicing his back open. And these creatures, as Riddick has come to find out, are attracted to blood. Oh, uh... It, maybe we shouldn't even bother with it. But I did find it interesting. So uh, one of the girls that's on the ship is bald. She's got her head shaved. Well, you think she's a boy. Right. At first. But then Riddick points out that he could smell that she's on her period. And so they think that they're doomed. And Johns and Riddick move away from the pack. Johns moves them away from the pack. So that way he can suggest killing this like 10 like 13 year old girl 14 year old girl yeah and you don't know if riddick is just like i'm gonna kill johns or if he's like you're not gonna kill this little girl so you still don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy but it feels it to me it felt like riddick is not cool with like he has again kind of a vin diesel code like he's not cool with johns killing a 14 year old girl to like make them get through safer save himself yeah and he he basically takes john's logic and uses it against him by making him the blood uh scent for the creatures mm -hmm. so the rest of them can get through he kills yeah. john's yeah kills john's john's gets chewed up by the monsters and at this point, it's Riddick, Carolyn, uh, the girl, uh, the the Sheik, and like one of the other boys. There's like five of them left. Yeah. And they're going through this canyon. They're losing light. One of the boys gets grabbed, eaten, taken off. Yeah, Vin uh, Diesel <laughs> rips one of. Rips one of the monsters apart with his bare hands. Oh, so sick. <laughs> <laughs> he, he tries to save the boy. He does not. But he does go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the monster. And at this point, Riddick also realizes that the monsters have a blind spot. So important. Right in front of their face, they have a kind of triangle-shaped head. And... If you stand right in front of their face, they can't see, and they use yeah, it's sonar. like a hammerhead shark yeah. with like an extra pylon going above their head. That's a great description. Four-sided pylon, four-sided hammerhead, terrifying. Yeah, they're pretty good monsters. They're good monsters. So they're running out of light. They're losing even more people quickly. There's only a few of them left. Carolyn, the girl. And the Muslim. His name is Imam. Imam. All hide in this little corner cavern. Riddick closes them in with a boulder and runs off to the spaceship with the fuel cells. No. As without, they're running. Yeah, with the fuel cells. With the fuel cells. Yep. As they're running out of light. As they're running out of light. From the liquor bottles. So Riddick gets to the spaceship, puts the fuel cells in. And then Carolyn... Yeah, he's going to leave them. It's what it feels like. It it's does. not clear. Not but... totally clear, but you're pretty positive he's going to leave them at this point. Who comes... What happens from here? Okay, so Carolyn takes one of the... So what happens is they run out of light in the cave. And when they do, these like bioluminescent worms appear on the ceiling above them. And so they fill the liquor bottles that are clear. They scratch off the labels, and they fill the liquor bottles with the worms. And then Carolyn leaves to go get the ship. 
because she because Johns had told her that Riddick would leave them, and she's like not sure, but she's sure enough that she's gonna leave and go try to get the ship. And then she shows up at the ship, and Riddick's like, "Hey, just come with me. Like we'll head out." And I think she tackles him. She well, she kind of. D- does yeah but then he just like flips her on her back and then is like instead of me coming with you you come with me yeah this is the redemption of carolyn yes so at this point uh she is like urging him to come back to get the other two with him and he's like why do you want to do this so bad and she wants to redeem herself for having killed all the people by dropping them off yeah out of the spaceship at the beginning they died on their own accord, but she knew that she, she pulled the lever and they, uh, the real captain Greg saved them. So she's trying to redeem herself. Riddick is ready to go, and then, oh wait, she, uh, Riddick, are you gonna say the line that yeah. he says? Okay, great, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she she urges him enough to make him consider, and he says, "Are you willing to die for them?" Bum, bum, bum. And she says yes. So he agrees to go with her. They go back to the, the cave, pull mom and the kid out, start trying to make it back to the spaceship. They're running, they're running. They're going through the, the little town, the uh, uh, observatory area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run into some monsters, and Riddick starts to, to fight them and let the other three get to the spaceship. Uh, the three of them get to the ship. Imam and the kid are waiting around, and Carolyn is deciding whether or not now to leave Riddick or to go back for him. Yeah, he stays behind for a reason that is not entirely clear to me. <laughs> Riddick or Imam? Riddick. Imam, they, they make it. Right. Oh, you mean like why Riddick gets stuck at the, yeah, that point? Yeah, why he stops. Yeah. I don't understand. It do- yeah, that's true. That didn't quite make sense. But then Carolyn decides to go back for Riddick. And at this point, Riddick's use of the blind spot on the monsters comes into full effect. He hides right in one of one's face as it kind of is, is searching for him. And he gets stuck between two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and does he fight them at that point? Or does do they just take off? Um, they are like, they're scratching him and like, basically about to kill him and carolyn shows up with the with two of those liquor bottles and they're they get burned by light so their skin actually is burned by light it's not just they don't prefer it they're like vampires and so they take off but they can fly the big monsters can also fly not just the bats Mm. so they take off and riddick and riddick's hurt yeah at this point bad uh, and Carolyn's trying to get him back to the ship. And in totally sad, oh, but man. totally fulfilling way, the monsters fly back in and go right into Carolyn. Take her away. And take her away. Oh, Riddick has a great line here. Do you remember it? No, go for it. And so, like he said, you know, are you willing to die for them? And then she she gets pulled away by these monsters, and they they're just focused on her eating her. And he looks up at the sky and says, "Not for me. Not for me." <laughs> and then he goes back to the ship. And then from there, Riddick, Imam, and the kid torch up some monsters as they fly off the planet. Yeah, he like turns off the lights, and they all swarm in. And what does he say there? Oh man, do I have it? It's like, um... oh, he says we can't leave without saying goodnight. Yeah. Oh. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And the, all the monsters are like grabbing on the ship, and then he like warp speeds them out and just like <laughs> blasts through. <laughs> and you get a shot so of like sick. the monsters getting burned out behind the jet engines. We can't oh. leave without saying goodnight. 
And that's the movie. That's the movie. That's, that's what it is. That's it. That's Pitch Black. That's the whole movie Pitch Black. Chronicles of Riddick number one. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, Vin does well in this movie. He does wait, some wait, wait, things. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Whoa. It's time for D or D. Ooh, dunk or defend. Dunk or defend. Dunk or defend. Dunk or defend. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Um, one, two, Three, defend. Oh, <laughs> I knew you were going to dunk, dude. I knew it. I really like this movie, but I can't get around it. I'm going to have to dunk. <laughs> I defend. I'm gonna Since you've had some time, I'm going to start with my dunk. All right, I'll let you. I will probably do a little bit of defense. Uh, first, <laughs> in my defend category, the things I liked about the movie, um, Vin brings a real like heat to this movie, and he brings like... So I don't know if you guys know this, but Vin Diesel, when he first started, um, used to do things where he would show different emotions during the movie, like as a character. And I know we rarely see this now, but there was a time where Vin would like bring different. He would show a range of emotions during the movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is one of those movies. So there's like times where he's like a little playful. There's times where he's like a little silly. There's times where he makes jokes with the girl who's pretending to be a boy who idolizes him and tries to like, she makes a pair of fake glasses like him, you know, and he brings, like he really has this character down and like plays it quite well. Like he does a good job acting in this movie, which here's the reason why I'm dunking on it is because his character, in my opinion, is not that good. Like his character is, is just like, is primal. It's kind of it. He's primal. He's got a past. And then on top of that, like the real dunks come in with the character selection in the movie. Like there's so there's basically a few different characters. There's Carolyn, who's like a, she's trying to become the leader of the ship. There's Vin Diesel, who's, you know, Richard B. Riddick, and he is the primal guy. And then there's Paris, who is my favorite character in the movie. We didn't talk about him much, but he has a bunch of Egyptian antiques that he's taking to whatever world he's going to. And he has these Egyptian antiques, and inside of one of the sarcophagi is just a bunch of liquor for some reason. And he has a, he has like a, he has an umbrella that's like kind of a Middle Eastern style umbrella. And he says, like, really wild things, which is kind of fun. Um, he says, oh, yeah, he's sitting on top of the ship, and he's, like, drinking and just, like, sitting under a sunbrella, and he has, like, a mat laid out for him. And one of the people is like, okay, like, you just sit up there and look for water. Like, he's basically kind of giving him crap about it. And Paris says... Um, sorry, I want to get the exact quote. I have an idea. Oh, it's amazing how you can do without the necessities of life if you have some of the little luxuries. <laughs> and it's just so, like, he's just such a dork. And so, like, I love that, but it's also really not that great. Like, all these characters are fairly one-dimensional. And then the CGI in it is is pretty rough. It's 2000 film, so that makes sense. Um... But there's some real holes in it that I think are the real reason why I'm dunking on it. The first one being that that Carolyn doesn't figure out that the planet is going to have an eclipse. It's actually a mom who brings that up. And so they don't notice it, even though she's playing with the thing. She doesn't she sees it, but doesn't register it really. And so like that's kind of frustrating to me. And then on top of that, like, it's clear that these things care. Like, she should have realized it when one of the one of the Muslim kids dies, because it's clear that they don't like light. And the Johns even says like these things don't like light, and Riddick says these things don't like light. And even though she saw in the aura, or or uh, the the model of the planets that there's a there's going to be a total eclipse, like, she doesn't put it together until it's kind of too late. And then when they see this planet coming up, that's when she goes back to the model and, like, figures it out. 
And then also she leaves those people in the cave with the lights to go get more light. And then they come back with just the she, – she leaves with a bottle that's got the worms in it. They come back with just the one bottle with the worms in it. <laughs> they could have come back with the ship with the lights on it, but they did not do that. And so for those reasons, like particularly the holes and then the the kind of one-dimensional characters, um, I I it didn't connect with me at the right time and in the right way. And I don't think that it holds up to even really Furious 1 – like with its with its quality but i will say i did love it like i loved watching this movie i loved watching vin like i texted joe as i was watching i was like this is the right choice for the show like vin <laughs> really shines here as you know a part of the fast and furious family maybe like the key the linchpin dominic toretto this is one of the movies where he does a really good job and i think for his performance i give it you know good marks but Ultimately, I decided to dunk on it. Fair enough. I definitely, uh, I get your points, especially the holes. There's some holes, mm-hmm. some big ones. But some of the holes that you might, some of the things you might have seen as holes were things that I saw as a benefit because the movie trusts the viewer enough to not try and over explain what's going on that is nice they don't the only exposition you get is riddick's narration at the very beginning you don't really know what's going on where you are what's happening you get riddick's character's perspective of of events which is very like really not exposition it's just like more character like creation Mm -hmm. and kind of like revealing what's going on but the what I love is when a movie trusts the viewer to just like be along for the ride rather than trying to over explain everything that's going on. So like yeah, it's you're kind of thrown into the this the middle of this totally weird random storyline, this world that you don't know what's going on, so you just got to figure it out along with everyone else. Like you are expected to just be along for the ride and uh be afraid along with everyone else because it is it's not just an action movie it's it's a sci-fi horror it's along the lines of of sci-fi horror they do a very good that's another thing they do very well is how they film the uh kind of the jump scares and a lot of like the the Mm -hmm. horror elements they do a good job of the the sci-fi horror mashup uh and yes the characters are other than I feel like other than Riddick and Carolyn and even John's, yeah, they're all one-dimensional. Right. Uh, yeah, Riddick is fairly well-developed. Carolyn yeah. has that one moment, but John's is probably the second most, I would say. Yeah. And John John's is complicated because of uh, he has like a pretty understandable hatred of Riddick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but he's also an asshole himself too, and he's a, he's a merc. He's not he's not an actual cop. Come yeah, to find out, despite that he looks like an LDAPD agent <laughs> with his little white shirt tucked to his pants and his like vest that's not bulletproof for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, he he he's just a mercenary who's addicted to opioids. Yep, and yeah, but he there's a backstory there with him and Riddick, and there's backstory with his drug addiction, and there's. Yeah, he's got more complexity to him. It's probably the. And oh man, you brought up a good point though, like a movie that doesn't have any real exposition, like none. No, like narration other than the the introduction. Like it, it really. I don't think they do an amazing job with it, but it's just nice. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just nice to have a movie that's like, the characters have to tell you and show you what's going on in the film. They can't just exposition dump on you. Yep. And on top of that, it's a defend because Riddick is a better character than Dom. <laughs> there. I said it. Vin Diesel... As Riddick is a better character 
than Dominic Toretto. He's more complex. There's more going on with him. There's more, uh, you're more uh, torn between how you feel about him, whether you feel he's a good guy, a bad guy. At times during the movie, you're like, oh, I love him. He's such a, like, he's a total hero. And, like, I'm totally on his side. And then at other times, like, I hate this guy. Like, he's totally just a self selfish jerk. Mm -hmm. He's leaving, leaving him in the dust. Like, I don't trust him at all. I hate him. So, like, going from the extremes of love and hate for the one character, I never really go through that with Dom. That's fair. Yeah, with you're Dom, just like, Dom is great, yeah. but I don't actually care about Dom. Right. Like, I care more about Brian than some of the other Fast family, but I, I don't really care about Dom. Right. Riddick is a better character than Dom. And Dom doesn't ever... I don't remember a time where Dom felt to me like he was in a bind that he couldn't get out of or even like having to really make tough decisions. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think there's really a moment that he has to actually make tough decisions. Maybe in Fast and Furious, the fourth one, but he has a little bit of that, but it's still not a lot. It's mostly just like he's motivated by revenge and you know he's going to get it. But, yeah, I it's I don't like Riddick half as much as I like Dom, but you are, I think you're technically correct, yeah. And then even in the sequels, you see, like, he has a lot of challenges to overcome, and they don't really give Dom anything to overcome. Dom's always, the team has stuff, but Dom very rarely has to make tough choices. Uh, yeah, Fast 8, he does. I'll get, uh, I, I'm going to disagree, but I, I respect that position. And the only points where Dom really has anything that like is complex in him is Fate of the Furious, and that was totally manufactured by someone else. It's not actually like his character shining through as much as it's just like the things we already know about him are being manipulated by someone. So you, you're right. I see, I see what you're saying. And, like, even then, Riddick is more of a, for being so not human, he's more human because he actually has to, like, overcome these problems and mm -hmm. isn't just, like, given an easy out. Yeah. He gets beat up by Johns, like, what, twice? At least. Yeah. He, like, it's and, it's kind of suckered, but, yeah. yeah. And I don't know. He like he has real challenges to overcome. He has real uh, complexity with how he treats other people and how he he actually like views himself. Mm -hmm. So Joe defended. I dunked. Uh, but we both actually really liked the movie. Um, and unfortunately, Joe has brought up the point that. <laughs> Riddick is a better character than Dominic Toretto, which is, uh, I kind of agree, but I'm uh, skeptical. Um, do we have any other like things to bring up that we loved about the movie or didn't like about the movie? I think as far as general enjoyment goes, Fast One still takes the cake over wow. Riddick. Yeah, but it's, but it's a rigged game a little bit. It is a little rigged. <laughs> but the... The quality, ah, man. It's just the, the character. Yeah, the the character of Riddick is dope, but the rest of the characters aren't right. really. Carolyn's cool. She's a cool character. John's is cool. He's yeah. a good character. Everyone else is absolute just filler. Yeah. Total caricatures, very campy, <laughs> super cheesy. Like It's like they took the ideas of like the most stereotypical type of people right. in modern day and threw them into a thousand years from now into the future and like kind of like things wouldn't have changed you've got the australian chick 
Yeah, and the art snob, dilettante, Paris. Yeah, historian dude, the Muslim wise man. And, on pilgrimage. Yeah, on pilgrimage. <laughs> the, the, the merc. Yeah. The captain, the rogue. Right. It's like a D&D party. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Space D&D. Yeah, you have the barbarian and the <laughs> you have the barbarian and the paladin. All right, all right. We don't need to nerd wizard. out. We don't need to nerd out too much on these guys. <laughs> we can keep that for our own D and D stash. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> cool. So I think that's dunk or defend. I dunked. Joe defended. I think we've come closer together. But now it's time yeah. for our final segment: quarter mile at a time. Well, not quarter mile at a time. Quarter mile time. How fast can your quarter mile go? Yeah. Uh, again, just to recap, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, uh, this is again this is a metric based on fast one, and so ten is the best, twenty is the worst, because if you, because of how fast cars go a quarter mile, I think you guys probably get it. Um, so, Joe, what's your quarter mile time for Pitch Black? My quarter can... mile time for Pitch Black. Despite my defense, I would probably give it a 15. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what I give it to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 15 as well. Like, the, the, my love for it is closer to, like, a 12. Or an eight for those people thinking one to ten, uh, <laughs> but yeah, closer to a twelve. But as far as there's just so many things in it that I had a hard time with that I brought it down quite a bit. But yeah, I, I mean, I love the I love the character of Riddick, and I love kind of the world that they exist in. Mm-hmm. And the like the the lack of trying to be something it's not, but yeah, there's just there's just too much wrong with it. Characters too one dimensional mm-hmm. for the most part. It's not as like just straight up blockbuster popcorny fun that had me totally sucked in all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd give it a 15. So, lastly, I think we did this in Dunker Defend last time, but I'm fine with it being a separate segment. Uh, did it do what it was trying to do? Hmm. Right. I think it... I think it did. Okay. I think it did do what it was trying to do, and I my defense for that is because it didn't over-explain things to us. Okay. If it had tried to, like, more over-explain, then I think it would have been trying too hard. But I think it it was trying to be a sci-fi horror, cool character, action movie. Hmm. And it succeeded. Yeah, I I think the reason why I dunked on it, and this is why maybe this segment should be in that, you know, this like final analysis of that. Uh, I don't think it did it that well. I think it like had some of the parts of what it was trying to do. I think Riddick succeeds at what it's trying to do. Um, but I, I think ultimately it doesn't, it doesn't do enough horror and it doesn't do enough action to be actiony or to be horrifying. And then it doesn't have enough character beyond Riddick to be like a thriller. And so it just doesn't quite fit into any category. And again, I do actually really like this movie, but I think if I were to give it a rating on how well it accomplished its goal, I mean, I would probably give it like a 6 out of 10. Maybe maybe less. No, I'd probably give it like a 4 out of 10. Hmm. How much it accomplished its goal. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was trying to be alien. But 
also something else. Like, I don't even know what it's... It just didn't hit for me in the same way. Like, I think it was trying to be serious, and I think it became kind of, like, campy joke. But maybe it was trying to be campy. I'm not sure. If you can't tell, it's a problem. (laughs) Kind of dour note to end the show, (laughs) to be honest with you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, what's good about it? Riddick is fun, and that show, like, the, the the monsters are pretty cool. I wish they had better CGI. Sometimes you get movies from this era that I wish were made either with a higher budget. Like, that's the other thing to consider. Like, they did a lot. I'd give it, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 because they did it a lot with clearly a very low budget. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not entirely fair to say, like, oh, did they accomplish their goal? It's like, okay, well, does every Quentin Tarantino movie accomplish its goal? Yes, it does. Why? <laughs> like, he gets a huge amount of money and, like, the best talent. So, you, <laughs> of course it does. But, and he's also just like a film genius to yeah. the point of, like, being perfect. But that's besides the point. Right, exactly. He has a, a level of Artur nature that's different. But, like, for a, a movie that clearly had, like, budget issues and, like, they they couldn't hire the best of the best and they couldn't build the sets they wanted to, like, they did a really pretty good job. And I think His they... night vision is sick. His yeah. night vision's pretty dope. It is dope. And there's... They did a... Yeah, they did a good job. I'm happy with it. So yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give it like a D on a C, maybe even on accomplishing its goal. If you consider the the budgetary constraints. I just, but anyways, uh, yeah. I want you to look up the budget. All right. Maybe it was not budget constraints. Maybe it was they had a massive budget and it just did not pull through. Twenty three million. That's not a ton. That's not a lot of. Yeah, actually. Okay. Okay. The, the Matrix came out uh, a year before. What do you think that that cost? Forty million. I don't know. I feel like that couldn't have been much higher budget either. Triple. What was it? Sixty-three million. Dang. Okay. Same with Fight Club. So they're working with a third of like. These budgets. I mean, I mean, I guess at that point, what year did it come out? Two thousand. Yeah. So like, Vin Diesel wasn't really wasn't totally a bankable actor yet. Nobody else in there was a bankable actor yet. So the the actors weren't. Yeah, I mean they. Yeah, they didn't have. Um, yeah, they just didn't have like. They didn't have the ability to build those kinds of sets. Yeah. Like you're looking at so Fast and Furious had a budget of thirty eight million. Dang. And so like they yeah, I mean, I would call this a low budget movie. Like not super low, but like it's not a high budget action movie. Like it made its money back though. I mean, initial uh, box office was fifty three million, so I guess that's why they made sequels, but yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to say for the budget, they accomplished their goals. Yeah. They did a good job with the budget they had. Vin Diesel did a great job. And that's really what we come back to with family. Like, Vin shines in this movie. He does. And it's really great. Yeah. So out of all the things, good or bad, like, in reality, you should watch this movie because Vin is good in it. I don't know if it's his best movie, but it's close. What's better? I think he does as good or better in Bloodshot, which is the other movie we're trying to do. I think his acting, while it's not his vehicle, is better in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Hmm. Not by a lot, but a little bit. He's, Yeah, he's just a totally different character. And I mean, that almost doesn't count because he's not a main character. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I'm just saying where he does the best. Does well. No, we picked the right movie for him, I think. Yeah. So... 
I think that's it. Thanks for watching Blockbuster Boys. And uh, <laughs> you really stuck on that. What's one. the title? Blockbuster Buffs. Blockbuster Buffs. Welcome bum, bum, to the show. Um, thanks for coming. Keep listening. Follow us on social media. Tell us what you agree with, don't agree with. Hope you enjoyed Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Fast Furious Family. 